0: Welcome to the Men's Global Live Stream. If you have a Bible with us today, I want you to hold a spot in Daniel chapter 4. We are in a series called Humble. We're in part 3. And what we've been learning in parts 1 and 2, if you're just now joining us, is that to have a great relationship with God, you gotta develop the inner disposition, the inner attitude, and the inner character quality of humility. The Bible says that God's opposed to the proud, but he gives grace and favor to the humble. Want a good relationship with God? Gotta be humble. Secondly, we need to develop humility because to fulfill the vision that God has for us, which is to become like Christ, Christ was the strongest and most humbled man to ever walk the planet. So God's vision for our lives, his end game, is to help us become like Christ. We can't become like Christ and fulfill his vision unless we develop the inner presence and working power of humility. And then in part three, what we're gonna do now is we're gonna see that not only does humility give you a great relationship with God, not only is humility being like Jesus, but humility protects you, listen, from self-destruction. I think even outside of people who who love Jesus or love the Bible there's a, there's a saying that worked its way from the Bible into the common lexicon when it comes to people, humility and pride and it's this. It's from Proverbs 16:18 and Proverbs 16:18 says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall, right? A lot of times when we see someone get over their skis, think they know it all, we'll just say, hey, pride comes before the fall, right? Where does that come from? It comes from Proverbs chapter 16, right? It comes from the Bible. It comes from God's wisdom. And, you know, to translate that and maybe to another way of thinking about it, it's first pride, then the crash, the bigger the ego, right, the harder the fall. All right, so that's what kind of we're learning in part three of Humble is we just want to see the connection uh, between humility and a great relationship with God becoming like Christ and how it prevents us from self-destruction. Now, in the Bible, we see a loving creator who's committed to cultivating humility in his people. In fact, sometimes the whole reason he takes his people... um, off-road, you might say, is because he wants to see what's in their heart. He wants to cultivate humility. And I just picked a little vignette from Deuteronomy chapter 8, where the context is Israel is coming out of this off-road experience called the wilderness, right? And this passage is a reflection on What did God want to use that time for? So we roll the film. Uh, Israel is about to enter the promised land. God has the humility he wants to develop kind of in them, but now there's this little moment of like, all right, before you go in, now that you're coming out, let's pause, let's reflect on this before you go into the blessing that I have before you. It says this, In the wilderness he fed you manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good for you in the end. Otherwise, you may say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth, but you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. It shall come about if you ever forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you today that you will surely perish like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you. So you shall perish because you would not listen to the voice of the Lord. And so what we see Is God working with people he's in relationship with? God taking them through a process and literally taking them off-road to prepare them for blessing. What's the key quality that needs to be there that he's looking for? It's humility. So let's unpack this real simply. Uh, What's God up to when he takes us off-road? Number one, God will test your heart. The passage says, in the wilderness right? He interrupts things. He delays things. He, dis- he, he takes you on a diverted path. Unplanned things happen. Unwelcome things happen. And listen, if, if God's in control and he's allowing it to happen, there's a purpose. And one of his main purposes before he blesses his people, before he blesses you and I, is he wants us to have the character in there to manage the blessing. So what's the character quality he's seeking to develop, testing us, looking for? It's humility. So God will test your heart. Second, and it relates to what I just said, God will teach you humility. In fact, that's the revealed purpose of God taking his his people off-road. It says that he might humble you, you know, that he might test you, right, to do good for you in the end. So you see that, you know, just like parents do things and work with their kids so that in the end when they when they're when they're older and when they encounter other situations they'll have what it takes on the inside to manage it so parents take their kids through a process maybe they make them stay committed to something they wanted to do or maybe they don't let them out of a situation easily or just give them what they want right god is the best father of his children and what he's doing is he's taking them through a process Right, And he's teaching them humility, that he might humble you to do good for you when? In the end. So it's all about character development, developing their inside. So God will test your heart. He'll teach you humility. Number three, what we learned from this passage in the Bible is that God will thwart your progress. If he's not seeing what he needs to see, he's not going to let you progress into a space without you being equipped with what you need. In this case, humility, Right? That's what a good coach does. That's what a good drill sergeant does. That's what a good parent does. You don't go send people into blessing where they are unable to sustain it. You don't send people into war unprepared where they're not gonna get the victory. You know, Good coaches, good trainers, a loving creator and heavenly father. He's gonna thwart your progress if you don't get this humility thing down because he loves you, right? and he wants when you enter into that space of blessing, you can manage it. In fact, that's what we're going to talk about next time. Number four, God will take away your mantle, right? He'll take away your mantle. Now, Israel, the promise of Israel is that they were going to bless the world, right? Gave that promise to Abraham through you. You're going to You're gonna bless the world. You're gonna bless many nations. Your seed's gonna go everywhere. The glory of God is gonna come through my people and you're gonna bless the world. But listen to what he says to his people even after that blessing. He goes, I testify against you today that you will surely perish like nations that the Lord makes to perish before you. Isn't this interesting? What's good for the goose is good for the gander. God wants his people to manage their influence. Well, if they don't have what it takes, he's gonna take away their mantle. Now, some of you are wondering, like, okay, mantle, I've heard that word, mantle. Well, biblically me, it means, you know, a role and responsibility that's given to you by God. Your influence for God that's given to you. Right? So God gives us gifts, talents, position, place to influence, to be salt, to be light, to be an aroma of Christ, right? And if we don't get this humility thing right, right, he just takes it away, right? If we don't have the right inner disposition, right? So this is how God works with his people. We're gonna see how that translates into the New Testament as well here at the end of the study. But for now, I just want you to see the way God works with his people. Another little vignette is in Leviticus 26, just so that you can see that God is consistent in this idea of testing our hearts, teaching us humility, and maybe even thwarting our progress to get the job done, taking away our mantle. It says this in Leviticus 26, God working with his people. He says, I will also break down their pride of power. Okay. Doesn't mix words. I will also make your sky like iron and your earth like bronze. The heaviness. Your strength will be spent uselessly. going to be spinning your wheels. For your land will not yield its produce, and the trees of the land... Uh, will not yield their fruit. You know that term, I think I just said it, spinning your wheels, right? Yeah, you can run ahead of the Lord. Yeah, you can run ahead of the Lord in pride. You can think you know better and not listen to the voice of the Lord your God. But guess what? If you're in relationship with him, God's going to break that in you. You can't be in a relationship with God and operate with what the Bible calls your pride of power, right? It's you placing yourself above him. I know better, I got this, right? No, not when there's creator and created. And so God says, you know what? You wanna borrow trouble? You wanna spin your wibble- wheels? I'll let you do that. And sometimes, parents, we know we do that, We're like, mm, Okay, right? You're gonna spin your wheels, you're not gonna, why? Because the parent sees the beginning from the end, knows the process, and knows that if a child acts in pride, they're gonna bloody their nose, run into the wall, Spend their energy uselessly. A parent knows that activity without insight, right, will be the tutor and pain will be the result. God does too, right? And there's some of you that are listening to me talk right now and you're like, "Mm, that sounds familiar. I feel like I'm kind of spinning my wheels. Life is super heavy. Well, then you got to do a little humility check and you got to do a pride check. And maybe God's trying to break the pride of your power. Like you were so sure that you were sure that you just ran way ahead of God and in humility haven't surrendered whatever it is you're seeking to the Lord and asking, hey, is this where you want me to do? Is this what you want? And putting him first and humbling yourself as we learned in part one, under his mighty hand. So if we're gonna write a headline and that's what I'm trying to do in part three for you uh, on this theme, of how humility protects, I would say it's this. A humble spirit before God eliminates opposition from God and self-destruction. A humble spirit before God, that's key, all right? That's the context, it's not just a humble spirit. It's a humble spirit before God eliminates opposition from God and self-destruction. Versus what, right? Because not everything's gonna go swimmingly, and what if I'm humble and things aren't working out? well? If you're humble and things might not be working out, now we move from opposition and self-destruction because of pride. If you're in a space of humility, it's about cooperation and redirection. That's positive. That's a net gain. If in humility, you humble yourself under God's mighty hand. So you're in one of two camps this morning. You're either operating in pride, and you're experiencing God's loving opposition, right? And... Self-destruction that comes from pride and being God little g, right? Or maybe you're going through a situation in life, right? And now it's more in humility, it's about cooperation and redirection, right? See the difference? One's super heavy. It's like iron, right? The sky's like iron, it's heavy. Your atmosphere is heavy, right? And your earth like bronze, it's like weighted down, right? versus light, right, and your strengths being used for good things and for redirection and cooperation with God. So that's our foundation for humble number three. Now what we need to do is we need to look at a person in the Bible who's been on both sides, right, not just he got humbled, which I think we're all familiar with, but he also made his way back to humility and blessing, and to study that, that's why I wanted you to turn to Daniel chapter four, and to, let's get into the life of a king named Nebuchadnezzar, all right? Now, let me just ask you a question. Have you ever been warned and then did not heed the warning and went ahead with your plan? Anyone? Thank you, boop, 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 boop. Right, how'd that work out for you, right? That's the story of Nebuchadnezzar. You see, let me set this up before we get to the scripture. Nebuchadnezzar is one of the most powerful people in the world. Nebuchadnezzar can do anything he wants. Nebuchadnezzar has hundreds of thousands of soldiers. Nebuchadnezzar has monuments built to him. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar has Israel hostage in his own country. To teach them humility and to listen to the voice of the Lord once again in their history, Israel goes off in pride. They do what they want to do. They worship other gods. And God says, okay, I'm going to put you captive into another country, the country of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar is the king. Right? And so Nebuchadnezzar takes the best young men of Israel, the smartest, the best looking, the most athletic, the most intelligent, and he starts training them in the ways of Babylon so they're in his court. right? Then he has a dream. And the dream is about a big tree. it's 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 influential. It's solid, it's tall, it's strong. And then an axe is laid to the foot of that tall, solid, big, visible tree. And he doesn't know what it means. So he asks his people, "Hey, what does this mean?" And they're like, mm, don't know, can't tell you, don't have the interpretation. But there is this Hebrew kid. Who's a hostage in our country, who's serving in your court, who's learning the ways of Babylon? It's like, go get him. So, Daniel interprets Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and he basically just says, You're the tree, you're gonna get chopped down by God until you humble yourself before Him and acknowledge the Most High God. All right. So, there's the warning. Now, we pick up the story and we roll the film in Daniel chapter 4, verse 28 through 33. All this happened to Nebuchadnezzar the king. 12 months later he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. The king reflected and says, is this not Babylon the great which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, a voice from heaven, came saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared, sovereignty has been removed from you and you will be driven away from mankind and your dwelling place will be with the beasts of the field. You will be given grass to eat like cattle and seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever he wishes. Immediately the word concerning Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. And he was driven away from mankind and began eating grass like cattle and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird claws. All right? Imagine, you're one of the most powerful men in the world and in today's culture, here's a snapshot of the President of the United States homeless. Long hair, dirty uncut nails that are curling like like claws. You get the picture? You talk about pride coming before the fall and a haughty spirit before stumbling. Man, this is the picture. And we have to study this, all right? Because there's a little Nebuchadnezzar in all of us, amen? So let's follow the path, all right? Number one, what do we see? We see we fail to heed God's warnings. You know, I love, I circled the phrase, if you have the downloaded notes, which I strongly encourage you to do, it says, All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. All what happened? All that Daniel warned him would happen. He failed to heed the warning from God, right? And it came through a servant of God. And this is instructive. You can be warned through the word of God. You can be warned through a servant of God who knows the heart, character, and word of God. That's why, at every man, we're just always saying, get into community, get into community, get with other men who love the Lord and who know his word. Because then the word that they give you, sometimes a word of warning, can save you from pride and self-destruction, but Nebuchadnezzar does not heed the word of God that came to him from the man of God, the interpretation of the dream. Second, we believe the lie of pride, right? So the Bible says the king reflected, okay? So that means that he's thought about it, and then he speaks what he thinks. What does he speak? Is not this is is this not Babylon the Great, which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power, right? And for the glory of my majesty. Oops. Okay. He is believing and behaving out of the lie of pride, right? Because beliefs are reflected in behaviors, and our behaviors are reflected in our beliefs. So he believed the lie of pride, then he behaved out of that belief and took on glory, which did not belong to him. Little Nebuchadnezzar and all of us, guys. Number three, experience God's judgment. I love the pace, right, that this is proceeding, right? God gave him a little incubation time about 12 months later, but he gave him the warning Gave him the interpretation, told him what would happen, and 12 months later, there was even a little bit more grace period for Nebuchadnezzar. But you know what? Nebuchadnezzar started thinking. He believed the lie of pride, and then he behaved out of his belief, and then he gets God's judgment. While the word was in the king's mouth, whoa. While the word was in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven and said, bang, your sovereignty, gone, right? You're not gonna be in the palace anymore. You're gonna be driven away. You're not gonna have royal robes. You're gonna have, you're gonna have dirty clothes and have a dirty body and you're gonna look like a vagabond. Whoa. And immediately, that's what the Bible says, immediately. So after 12 months of okay, time's up, tick, tick, tick. I gave you the warning, 12 months later, you're still operating in pride. Listen, there is a time clock to pride, gentlemen. There is a time clock to your pride. And because God loves you, he'll give you some grace, he'll give you some time to think about it when it comes to your surrender of your life, of the plan for your life, of the plans that you have, your relationships, your business, your work. If you want to run ahead in pride, like, Nebuchadnezzar, if you wanna be a a little nebby, you can do that. And God may give you a little grace period, but I'm telling you now that if you don't turn from that pride, if you don't acknowledge the most high, if you don't humble yourself under God's mighty hand, get ready for some opposition and some self-destruction because God loves you, right? Number four, we receive pride's promise. We receive pride's promise. Pride promises pain. Destruction is painful, falls hurt, right? Cement is hard. Just think about your kids when they fall. Man, hurts, they cry out, it's painful. They need comfort, right? And when warning and wisdom isn't heated, right? So we can give a warning and wisdom is given. When that's not heated, guess what becomes the teacher and the tutor? pain. So it's only when the pain of the circumstance exceeds our fear of cooperating and humbling ourselves before God that we start to listen, right? So what we want to see is that there's a process that God has Nebuchadnezzar in, and I see this 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 super story, right? He's a king. He he conquers another country, he brings prisoners to his country. There there are servants from that other country that he's holding prisoner, that he wants to train up all the good eggs and the smart people and the handsome and strong in his court. Man, God's got a purpose for this guy. God (laughs) loves King Nebuchadnezzar. God loves the Nebuchadnezzars of this world. Never forget that. Don't pre-qualify anybody. Here's a guy who is lifted up in pride at the highest level. God loved him enough to put Daniel in his life to give him a warning that now is being fulfilled, so there's the beginning of the process, the dream and the warning, the middle of the process, the pride response, and the pride outcome, mantle gone, but now let's look at the conclusion, look at this next, the way back to humility and blessing for Nebuchadnezzar, all right? Listen to what the Bible says in Daniel chapter 4, 34 to 37, but at the end of that period, I, this is a personal testimony, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my reason returned to me and I blessed the most high and praised and honored him who lives forever for his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but he does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth. And no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? At that time, my reason returned to me and my majesty and splendor were restored to me for the glory of my kingdom. And my counselors and my nobles began seeking me out. And so I was reestablished in my sovereignty and surpassing greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and honor the king of heaven for all his works are true and his ways are just and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. Whoa. Man. You talk about pride comes before the fall, the fall, and then a rocket ship out of the fall because a guy gets it now, it's Nebuchadnezzar. And there's a little Nebuchadnezzar in all of us. And you might be in one space or the other, but we have to see both sides of the coin. So let's, just like we studied, the process of pride. Uh, All of us need to study the way back to humility and the blessing of God. Number one, what do we see? We look up to heaven. I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and look what happened. My reason, in other translations, my sanity returned to me. There's the reset, fellas, right? Just like it says in Ecclesiastes 5.2, God is in heaven, you are on earth. Let your words be few. The way back to humility and blessing is to get back into reality. The number one reality we need to get back into is that there's God and you're not him. And when you get that right, now you're thinking clearly. Now we're in reality. The flip of that is that I'm God and I don't have to listen to the voice of God. That's when things get cloudy and confused and now you're in fantasy. Right? You can think for a while you're in charge. You can think for a while that you're the man. You can think because you have titles after your name or wealth or power or possession that, that you're God. But the reality the whole time is you're not. Right. So what's the first step back, man? We look up to heaven. That's when you get clarity. Right. Secondly, we reassume our place. I blessed who? the most high, and praised and honored him who lives forever, right? So now we reassume our place. Now we we look up. God's in his place, right? Now I'm in my place. There's the most high. And I love how the language shifts. You can see humility has flooded Once you get into reality that there's God and you're not him and you're looking up and you praise and honor the most high, listen to what he says, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. He does according to his will. No one can ward off his hand. And then again, my reason returned to me. Now the reset of humility is bringing him back into that space of blessing. Number three, we acknowledge God's sovereignty, right? We acknowledge God's sovereignty. It says he does according to his will, right? And a lot of times we don't want that control in our lives. We don't don't want the revealed will of God, right? We don't want another voice telling us what to do. But when you understand God, then he's your creator, he's the author of life, and he loves you, and he has your best interest in mind, Doing His will is probably the best thing that you can do, right? Because of His attitude toward you, that's why God works so hard to get you into this space of humility in your relationship with Him, right? Is is so that you can be blessed. But you got to acknowledge God, you're in control, I'm not. What's the first step to recovery in anything? It's God, you're in control, and I'm not. I'm powerless. You're powerful. I'm not in control. You're in control, right? but for those of you control freaks who love predictability and order and like to control everything and every circumstance and every people, you're gonna get bowling balled. And what do I mean by that? Something's gonna come into your life that you can't control, and then you're gonna be disillusioned, like, hey, I thought I had everything under the control. You don't control anything, right? Ask powerful people who thought they they had, their wealth created the illusion of control and then they got cancer or something happened to their kid or something happened to their business or the stock market crashed. I mean, in any area of advancement, man, when you are the author of your own success and you're into predictability and control, watch out. You're not. He does according to his will. It's his kingdom come, his will be done, amen? All right, so we look up to heaven, we reassume our place, we acknowledge God's sovereignty. Number four, we adopt a new attitude. Right? He says, at that time, my reason returned to me. Whoa. That means something has transformed. His, he's thinking different. He's got humility in there. He's not the most high. God's the most high, and I serve the most high. Now I'm ready for a little influence. Right? And then lastly, we confess are folly. You notice that he says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are true, his ways are just, that's a confession, folks, and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. All right. object lesson number one is me. So this is in writing, in tablets, in the Bible, this is the confession of a prideful king. Who experienced the process of his pride, but then made his way back to humility and blessing. All right, now, gonna wrap this up. So, God puts a premium on pride. If you wanna have a great relationship with Him, if you wanna be like His his Son, Jesus, you wanna participate in that process, you gotta have humility and surrender to it, and if you don't wanna be opposed and self-destruct, you're gonna need humility, humble. Now, the king of heaven, the true king of heaven, not King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of everything, the king of the universe, what does he say when he leaves heaven and comes to earth? He says this, Matthew twenty-three, 12. We're gonna put it on the screen. Whoever exalts himself shall be what? Humbled, but whoever humbles himself Shall be exalted. Right? So, <laughs> you know that commercial. I think it's a Dos Equis commercial. Stay thirsty, my friend. Okay, I'm the Bible, God is telling us right now: stay humble, my friends. You want blessing, you want prosperity, you want a great relationship with God. You want to become more like Jesus. You want to stumble less, right, and cooperate and redirect and be led perfectly more, okay? Gotta work on humility and we don't, have to, we don't have to look very far. All we need to do is to read this passage, Daniel chapter four, verses 34 to 37, and look up to heaven, take your place. You're the created thing, not the creator. You're the clay, you're not the potter, you're the sheep, you're not the shepherd, you're the branch. You're not the vine, okay? You're the servant. You're not the king. And you will have humility, right? So let's let's bow our heads wherever you are, whether you're in a coffee shop, on a run, on your bike, all right? If you're driving a car with your eyes open, listening to this in your car, let's just focus and center our spirit and let's pray like Nebuchadnezzar. Father, we raise our eyes right now, the eyes of our heart. And if we can, our physical eyes, we raise our eyes toward heaven. And Lord, we want that to produce sanity, that we're not the God uh, who created all that we see. And we bless you. You are the most high God. And we praise you and we honor you, the one who lives forever. And like Nebuchadnezzar, Lord, we declare that your dominion, your rule, your your realm is going to last forever. Your kingdom, it's going to last forever. And every person that you have created, Lord, they're nothing. You do what you want. It's your will that we acknowledge. You're the sovereign creator and host of heaven. And no one can stop you. And so we praise you, Lord. We exalt you. We honor you, Jesus, the King of heaven, for all your works are true and your ways are just. And Lord, we know today that you are able to humble those who walk in pride. So keep us humble. Help our vision of you and our view of you to always be at the forefront of our minds because if that if that is true, Lord, if we're, if we're always before you and walking before you, then we won't experience your opposition and self Self-destruction, Lord. So I ask you to bless every man listening to the sound of my voice with spirit-empowered humility, Lord, where they have a right view of you, a right view of themselves, and they experience the blessing and honor, just like Nebuchadnezzar did, through humility before you. In Jesus' name we ask and all God's men said, amen. God bless you. Tell a friend, go teach this lesson, and we'll see you next week.